This is episode 52, When Comedy and Yoga Combine. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist and mind-body coach, here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, functional nutritionist and nurse practitioner. Together, we have over 25 years of experience in wellness, nursing, nutrition, and psychology. Our goal at Everyday Wellness is to share easy strategies to help as many people as possible become healthier. You can help us obtain this goal by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. The process takes just a few minutes and it allows our podcast to be seen when listeners like you are searching for a high quality health and wellness podcast. We are so grateful that you are here. And now, let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Good morning. We are super excited today to have Dina Jackson with us. She is a stand-up comedian and speaker who teaches Hatha yoga and meditation. She's performed at various comedy festivals across the United States and Canada, and recently, actually late last 2018, delivered an amazing TED Talk and can be heard regularly on Sirius XM Radio. She actually completed her um, yoga teacher training in Goa, India, and hosts a podcast called The Ego Podcast, which I actually participated in and was wonderful. And this podcast consists of interviews of yoga instructors, mental health professionals, individuals in recovery, artists, and lawyers, asking them what tactics they use to find balance in their lives. Welcome, Dina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, such good stuff. Well, we're so excited to talk to you today. And I think perhaps the most obvious question is how you came to marry your love for comedy and yoga and which came first? The chicken or the egg? (laughs) Yeah, they're two very different things. Uh, I called them my yin and yang (laughs) Mm -hmm. because they kind of touch on the creative side and then the mindfulness side. Um, And so comedy definitely came first. Uh, I've been doing stand-up for six years now, and I've been performing and doing, I did improv before that in theater, so I've been in that realm for 20-some-odd years, so a long time, and um, yoga came a little bit later when I was going through some trouble in my own life. Um, I went through a divorce, and I lost my father, and some sort of trying moments that we often go through in life that sort of hit you like a ton of bricks Mm -hmm. and uh i needed i need needed is the word i definitely needed something to help me cope because i had no idea how to manage my emotions and deal with grief and loss and all those things and um yoga and meditation were really a godsend for me they were what changed everything and uh i was so changed by it that that's why i wanted to um, go into teaching and learn more about it 
and then incorporate it into comedy because artists, like many people, but especially in the world that I see, there's a lot of um, people who need some kind of support. And living in a lifestyle where things are so up and down, one minute you could be performing for 4,000 people in a big theater or in a stadium, and then the next minute you're performing in a flooded basement for two people. <laughs> um, and so that's the pendulum. That's sort of how it works in entertainment. And so meditation and, and yoga and mindfulness have helped me keep that balance. And that's um, so important. Now, yeah. I know that a lot of our listeners obviously are familiar with yoga, but could you explain what differentiates Hatha yoga from other forms of yoga? Mm-hmm. Hatha yoga is the initial yoga. It's like the first one that was taught. And so a lot of the other forms of yoga have are branches that have grown from it. So if you are looking to learn yoga, I would always suggest studying Hatha first, and then you can sort of see which branch really interests you. If you want to go into something like Kundalini yoga, or you want to go into Iyengar yoga, which is with a lot of props. Um, if you want to, some people like to use it and incorporate it with Pilates and things like that for more of the physical aspect. Um, you can sort of branch anywhere off of there, but Hatha is the classic yoga as to where it all began. And you mentioned that practicing this kind of yoga really helped you get through grief and sadness and, and a difficult time. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what it was about those techniques that helped you? Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, first I'll say meditation was something that my mom would always try to get me to do when I was younger. She taught me how to practice when I was, I think, 11 or 12. She learned it in her philosophy class. And uh, one day we were out walking the dogs and she was like, do you want to learn this? And I said, yes. And so I was introduced to it when I was quite young, but I was. it would be something that she would always try to remind me of whenever I was going through a difficult time. And... I, would, I didn't really listen to her until it got really heavy. So if I was going through stress in high school or university or something like that, she would say, oh, well, meditation might be something you want to try. And I, she would say it, and I wouldn't listen. And then when I started experiencing some pretty heavy trauma, when my dad got sick and then when he passed, I, I learned, okay, this is something that can help me with this grief so that I'm not... Um, you know, at rock bottom or however you want to describe it. And so in way of how it helped was finding time to be still in meditation enabled me to allow any kind of emotions to come up. So anything that I was sort of storing from different experiences, um, it was, it was, I was given a chance to, to allow those emotions to arise, feel them, even though some of them are awful and I didn't want to and I wanted to suppress them and just keep them in a jar. Uh, and it allowed me to have them come up, not be as afraid of them, and then let them go instead of just letting them sit inside me. So yeah, that's that's the best way that I can describe as to how it really changed me, what the thing was that did it. Um, it was practicing yoga first, and then the last pose, Shavasana, is when you prepare for meditation. And so having done all of those postures prior to doing that, it allows you to just be a little bit more still in your body so that you are able to sit for long periods of time or lie down, however you prefer. And um, so, yeah, I think that I had practiced it before. I had practiced meditation before, but I didn't understand it. And then when I needed it, it became 
a very important tool for me. You know, it's funny, every time I do yoga, when I get into Shavasana, I always fall asleep, which is always <laughs> embarrassing because sometimes I don't realize that I've fallen asleep and then the room is completely quiet and everyone's gone. <laughs> it happens more than you would think. You're not alone. <laughs> it happens often. And that's just maybe maybe that's what your body needs at that point, right? Because you're sort of going into that space. Mm-hmm. But meditation is sort of a mental state that can happen just before you sleep. So I might encourage you to try next time if you can, just to see. Okay, what does this feel like if I don't if I don't quite um, if I don't quite doze off, right? Like, how does this feel for my mind? I might say that. I think it's so interesting that in many of the yoga classes that I've been in, people tend to like scoot out if they need to leave early Mm -hmm. and think that the Shavasana piece might not be as important. But it sounds as if that's really where we're integrating a lot of things and Mm -hmm. where we're kind of preparing and allowing ourselves to release and relax. A hundred percent. It's the most important posture by far. The, The sages and like the creators of yoga they were long-term meditators. They were meditating for like seven, eight, nine hours and they were getting into these pretzel-like shapes and getting very stiff. And so that's how the asanas or the postures were created. They were created to release tension so that you could sit in meditation for longer. So in the West, unfortunately, some of us, we've lost that. There's so much more focus on the physical side, which is unfortunate because Yes, the postures are important, but the the final pose, allowing yourself that time to be still, is, in my opinion, by far the most important. You know, I also think another thing that Western culture has done that you mentioned is, mm-hmm. is to discourage or not really teach us that emotions are okay and mm-hmm. that they're allowed to come up. And then when they do come up, what to do with them, which it sometimes is just kind of being there in the moment with them. Uh, So can you talk a little bit about that? And if there was specific teaching that helped you to know what to do when these emotions did come up? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so you're right. There's a lot of understanding that we should just suppress things and not deal with them. And then but unfortunately, you know, or I know, uh, I think most of us know that if you don't properly deal with them, then they come out in other ways. Uh, I was someone who really struggled with um, with road rage. That was a big thing. Mm. Um, and like I would be driving and just snapping on people. And it still happens now. Like I'm, I'm fine to admit that, but it happens a lot less. And it happens at times where I haven't meditated that day. And I notice the difference that it has on me. Um, because you, by by spending this time allowing your, giving yourself this sort of gift of okay, I'm going to allow this time to practice. I'm going to allow this time to sit and be still. You're, um, you become less reactive and more, more um, just sort of involved, and you sort of recognize the other person's position, whatever it is, in terms of what you're approaching. So yeah, in terms of something like road rage, I, I noticed that that's something that, you know, maybe you were having a bad morning, and all of a sudden, it you took it out on someone on the road who you don't even know, and then it affected them in some way, right? And yeah. so I, I see that a lot here. And one thing that I learned when I was in my, my teacher training was just that it's okay to have dark thoughts, angry thoughts, sad thoughts, all of these things, they're going to come up. We all have them. Um, But instead of saying that they're not there, acknowledging that they're there and doing something that people like to call shadow work, where you're just shining a light on something and you're saying, 
okay, I see you. I see you bad memory or bad thought or bad feeling. And I'm not denying that you're there. I'm not mad that you're there. I'm just acknowledging you. And it does a lot. It can do a lot. Well, I think that's so important. And it's interesting on Twitter this morning, someone was talking about that shadowing and you know how to actually... Um, how to actually acknowledge those, as you mentioned, those thoughts and those those experiences. And I, I think that we're so conditioned to sometimes repress, um, and certainly I'm not an expert in this area, but certainly most of us will repress those things because it, it doesn't make us comfortable. We don't even want to think about it. Mm-hmm. So we just acknowledge that it isn't there. But um, from what you're saying, and, and I'm sure Kelly would probably agree that, um, you know, part of the process is just kind of you know, seeing that that memory comes up or that unpleasant feeling and, and kind of moving forward. It's not that you're repressing it, it's that you're acknowledging its presence and you're just moving forward, mm-hmm, which I'm exactly. sure is much, much, much healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I found in my work with clients is that it takes a lot of effort to continue to repress and not feel that emotion. It can be yes. very scary to feel it. But one of the metaphors that I most love is it's like we're holding this beach ball underwater. And eventually this emotion, this beach ball is going to pop out. And maybe it pops out as road rage, or maybe it pops <laughs> out as we explode with our partner or mm-hmm. children, but eventually it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Totally. I like that analogy for sure. It's like that is, it does take a lot of work. It's more work to suppress it than it is to let it come up. And a lot of the time when you do let it come up, um, it's not as scary as you might have thought it would have been. Um, A lot of the time seeing it, it may not be great, but it may not be as bad as you had anticipated. And so the work that you were talking about to push the beach ball down actually involves a lot more energy than to let it arise and then let it go. One of the most common concerns I see in perimenopause and menopause is hair loss, hair breakage, hair shedding. And knowing that over 80 million Americans are impacted by this is both reassuring, but it's wonderful to know that there are products available that can help with these symptoms. Divi is good for those with hair shedding or thinning due to stress in perimenopause or menopause. They can be helpful for addressing dry scalp. And have you wanted to take control of your hair health but aren't sure where to start? This is where Divi can be hugely impactful. I love their scalp serum. And we know that the scalp serum improves the appearance of breakage, nourishes our hair follicles, and removes product and oil buildup. There are some key ingredients, including tea tree oil, which works to reduce and prevent excess oil buildup on the scalp, amino acids that help to strengthen hair, fight frizz, which is my greatest concern, and reduce breakage, and copper tripeptide 1, which is a small protein composed of the three amino acids to facilitate a clean and hydrated scalp, as well as hyaluronic acid, which is nourishing and hydrating to our scalps. As I mentioned, Divi is not just for those experiencing hair loss. I found it to be hugely helpful for scalp health and all of Divi's products, including their shampoos and conditioners, come together to create a full daily solution that helps women nourish their hair and get to the root of scalp health. Do you want to take back control of your hair and scalp health and do it with clean science-backed ingredients? Go to DiviOfficial.com slash Cynthia or enter Cynthia at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's D-I-V-I official 
dot com slash Cynthia for 20% off your first order. As I mentioned, my favorite product is the scalp serum. And now that we're in the deep throes of winter weather, it is so wonderfully nourishing and moisturizing. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting when I first, I guess I was probably just graduating from college. I did a couple of years of therapy to deal with my parents' divorce, which was a good investment in myself. And the big takeaway that therapist taught me was the truth sets you free. You know, we spend so much energy and time trying to either repress a feeling or not acknowledge something or not speak our truth. And in actuality, doing so is so profoundly empowering um, when you finally let go of that. So I sometimes have to remind myself of that, that sometimes those tough conversations that I I really want to avoid uh, when I finally have them, uh, whether it's personally or professionally, generally it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And it feels so much better, like a huge weight has been lifted off your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Totally. Like there's a cloud over you that's just disappeared and you're like, oh, (laughs) it's done. Oh, it's relieving, you know? And I think also our avoidance fuels our anxiety. So the longer we avoid things, the more anxious we become because the bigger it gets in Mm -hmm. our head. And so it feels so much bigger than when we actually go to have that conversation like Cynthia mentioned. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Nadina, I'd love to pivot a little bit because I know that some of our listeners are probably curious to hear about your TED Talk. Mm -hmm. Now, how did that actually transpire? Were you interested in doing one? Were you approached to actually do a talk? How did that process happen for you? 
Um, I was interested, and but also the organizer was a guest on my podcast, on the Ego Podcast, like oh, you cool. were. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's a nurse practitioner and very keen about. She I think she's worked with Ted for a little while now, and um, just she's in the mental health and the physical health world as well. So um, that was a big part of it. And then yeah, the I, I attended one of her events um a couple of months prior saw sort of got a gauge of the types of talks that were being presented loved it and then yeah was was asked to do one um in december with you cynthia so yeah it was um yeah so it was it was a bit of both i was definitely keen to do one and then um and then yeah having her on the podcast was a big part of it and um yeah very grateful it was a really cool experience i don't know how you found it but i loved your talk and i felt like we had a lot of um similar ideas and the different and our different approaches and um so it was cool to get a chance to meet you and then there were a couple of other um speakers who i saw at the previous uh ted event that i had as guests on the podcast as well so yeah Yeah, kind of love all those female connections that we make and Mm -hmm. having never traveled to toronto it was nice to to see a new city and experience you know all the cool things that toronto has in a very brief trip i will say but i had a wonderful time and and much like you i think um you know part of what i do for myself every year is i always like to have one big scary goal and so that was my big scary goal for 2018 Oh, good for you. Um, yeah, well, you know, and I, I, Kelly and I are introverts. I know sometimes people are surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thought of getting on a stage and having to commit something to memory was pretty terrifying for me. But, um, you know, once I got there and started speaking, it was like it just flowed and felt very natural, which, um, you know, really felt great. You get the energy from the audience. I mean, probably how you do when you do your improv and do your comedy work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're connecting with the audience, it really, it really, you know, kind of encourages and pushes you along and kind of a really cool experience to go through. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it was, for me, it was just really cool to be able to blend the two worlds because, um, I know you were asking about that earlier. I have been doing comedy for a while and I, I love writing jokes and performing, but I also love speaking. And so it was great to be able to have an opportunity to speak about this other part of my life that has been really impactful and I hope can help other people. So through Ted, that's a great channel to be able to share that. And um, yeah, I definitely felt the same way about your talk. And then you did another one, right? You did one recently. How did that go? It looked wonderful. Oh, thank you. Um, I actually did that in March. Um, And so that was a very different kind of talk because um, part of my mindset in the hospital, uh, because I was hospitalized for 13 days, uh, I wanted to get home to my family. That was my first priority. And then second priority was that I felt that the message about intermittent fasting was so valuable that it was part of my kind of mental recovery. And so, um, you know, for the 27 days in between when I was discharged and when I did my talk, um, that was part of what I was, you know, really focused on. So it was, you know, a completely different experience because, um, it was stadium seating. It was a bigger TEDx event. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a really, this time was different. Um, yeah. This time was definitely different um, in that I wasn't really talking about a story related to me. I was talking about a technique. And so it was freeing in many ways because I, I think part of what made that first TED Talk for me um, very emotional was I was talking about something I had been through myself. And so second time around, it was just talking like, this is a great technique. This is something we all need to be talking about with our patients. Um, I just didn't expect it to go kind of crazy 
viral. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's been very enabling. Yeah, it's a really cool experience, and I'm glad that the information is getting out there because I think more people need to to know that there are things that are simple and free and flexible that they can integrate into their lives that don't require any gimmicks, mm-hmm. which is a big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> huge yeah i can see it sometimes on your twitter and stuff i love it Mm -hmm. but you're always giving information you're not like criticizing you're saying here here are some facts on something that you can help with like with intermittent fasting and stuff yeah you know and i just think and i think we're all on the same page all three of us that you know my message is meant to be positive and educational it is not meant to be condemning critical um or um you know, dismissive. I think we're all on our own journey, our own health journeys. And and I just find that I'm more likely to invest in listening to someone if they have the same vibe, because I just think life can be tough. And so why not align yourself with people that, you know, make you feel good about yourself, you know, sometimes give you a kick in the pants if you need it. But, um, you know, definitely their, their end goal, their end, you know, focus is on improving the world and not just, um, you know, creating disharmony and disunity. There, there's definitely on social media, and again, I, I'm sure we all see this, examples of people who just make everyone's <laughs> lives harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's not the way I want to leave the world. So no, that's yeah. not the message I get from you at all. Oh, thank you. Good. Same for you and Kelly as well. <laughs> Like-minded people for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to shift back to something we touched on before, which is this the impact of stored emotions. So, I think that the concept of storing emotions in our body might be a little bit foreign to some, or they might not really understand how that works. Can you talk a little bit more about how emotions are stored in the body and how they're released? Mm-hmm, definitely. So we all know about, well, not maybe we don't all know, but we, there's, you may be aware of muscle memory. Yes. So it's it's a similar thing and animals do it as well where there might be an event that happens and there might be some things that are visible in the body like a scar or a cut or something like that from an incident. But there's also um, the concept that emotions are actually stored in tissues in the body. And so this may be a concept that's foreign to some and it's, com- you know, it's completely up for dispute, but it is something that I do in fact believe as well as a lot of um, yoga practitioners and teachers. And um, there's a common thread that we see in a lot of our classes where there's a lot of release that happens. And so there are specific postures designed to help with detoxifying and releasing and so I see personally a lot of patterns in my classes where certain emotions are stored in certain parts of the body so the shoulders are a big one um, so finding releases for that but another big one is the hips in particular and so whenever there is a uh, posture or release that happens in the hip area we will see a lot of people exploring emotion at that time so a lot of crying happens in classes whenever we do hip releasers, Um, uh, maybe some anger, different feelings. And personally, in my own journey, uh, I will have memories come up whenever I do certain poses, and particularly in the hips. And um, so, yeah, in terms of my experience, that's something that I see quite regularly. Um, And that's why a lot of the time at the end of a class, you can feel like we were talking before about that weight being lifted. Um, And so it's sort of coming off of certain areas in the body. 
uh, a lot of people, and this might be something that you could speak on as well, Cynthia, that there's a lot of idea around stress being carried in the med midsection of the body. So it's, it's, it's sort of held there, but this is more on the, the, um, the joints in the bone area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to, you know, when I, when I talk to patients or clients, um, a lot of people carry their tension in their upper chest um, mm -hmm. and their upper back and neck. And so you, you walk around and you see people where they, they look like their shoulders are hunched up. Um, and it's really because they carry so much tension. But obviously tension can be carried anywhere in the body. Um, but typically I see it seems more back, neck, um, you know, chest, especially as people are spending so much time on their phones. And they've got like tech neck, as they call it now, mm -hmm. um, where their neck is constantly flexed. Um, and so then, you know, they, they're drawing on their trapezius and their upper back muscles and um, a massage therapist friend of mine was saying she can tell, you know, when people spend a lot of time with their neck bent looking at their phones, um, mm -hmm. that tends to be, you know, kind of a modern day phenomenon. But, you know, absolutely, you can, you know, manifest um, tension all throughout the body. I think that, you know, that the hips in particular that you mentioned, um, it doesn't even necessarily have to be related to, you know, trauma, but it could be, you know, maybe a, a spouse isn't connecting with their spouse or has some, you know, unseated, you know, irritation, um, you know, definitely those hip openers can be helpful and beneficial. Um, you know, I was reading the other day about women as they kind of head into perimenopause, that five to seven years preceding menopause and then go through menopause that yoga can be particularly beneficial for increasing blood flow um, and, you know, the, the female organ areas, which, you know, in, in many ways, people kind of think of that time frame as everything dries up and goes away. And so that, that doesn't actually happen, but um, can be hugely beneficial if people are having issues with sexual dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think also we're just programmed right now, at least again in the West, to sort of treat our bodies as an alien thing that's sort of separate from our minds and uh, from the rest of us. And, and so by doing that, like not taking into account the, the physical effects of some things that can happen, like you said, it doesn't have to be trauma, it can be stress, it can be an experience. But that, you know, that's why I love yoga so much, because it reminds me, someone who often lives in my head, uh, <laughs> to come back into my body more. And so um, for me, I find that really, really beneficial because we do experience everything with our entire being, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, it's not just in the head. It's not just in thought. It's not just through conversation. It is through, in fact, the physical aspect as well, even if you can't see it. And I think that's such a beautiful example of the power of the mind-body connection. I mean, mm -hmm. that really is the mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. uh, the timing was really interesting for this because I, I've been into sauna-ing lately. And oh, cool. so, yeah, I went to do the sauna and there was some mix-up um, and my sauna cabin had been booked. So the owner of the sauna studio said, oh, why don't you try this massage bed that we have? And I was like, well, okay, I'm here. I might as well. So I tried it and it spent, it concentrated a lot of time at my shoulders and my upper back. And it was painful actually, but in kind of a good painful way. But I got home and for the rest of the afternoon, I just sort of had like this sadness, like this cloud about me that I couldn't shake and couldn't figure out 
what was going on. And then I just happened to be doing some research on you for this podcast and delved into this whole idea of emotions being stored. And sure enough, when I looked up shoulders and upper back, that's where sadness is often stored, which was just mind blowing. I mean, it's like, it's one thing to understand it and to know that that connection exists, but to really feel it and experience it in your body is a completely different story. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believe that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product with five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com 
com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Oh, what a cool story. That's so (laughs) that's really awesome. I love I love that you shared that. That's like and you're right. And and so just being able to sit with that emotion, right? Like and and um when you have a massage, a massage is a great way for releasing. So if you don't some people don't like practicing yoga and that's completely fine. But then you might want to try a massage or acupuncture or something that allows those areas to loosen up because like you said, all of a sudden those things start to lift. And by doing that, you, it's unfortunate feeling that feeling of sadness and it can be a little bit strange in the moment because you're like, well, nothing happened to me right. today that was sad. I, I was enjoying a massage. In fact, it was a pretty great day. Um, but actually by doing that, it means you're allowing yourself some time to let that emotion lift. And then it can, do you feel better now? Like, was it, did it go away? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it did. I, I, it kind of hung with me until the evening. And then I, mm-hmm. when I woke up the next morning and felt great and actually my shoulders and back felt a lot better the next day too. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. And so then it's, 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 yeah, it's odd when it's unrelated because I mean, that could have been from months ago. It could have right. been from a year ago. It could have been from, yeah, definitely not the day that you felt it, but, but just by allowing that to happen, it's gone. And so like you said, it improved the, the shoulders, but also your overall, well, overall well being because if you're, you, the more you allow yourself time to do that, the less that's going to come up. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. everything about you. No, you no, you're exactly but. right. And and mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, like you mentioned, it's important to just be able to be with that. Like I've done mm-hmm. enough training and work enough with my clients on just being present with your emotions and being mindful. So, you know, not judging that or trying to make that mean something mm-hmm. um, that was negative or didn't, didn't make sense was important to just allow it to be there. And I told my husband like, Hey, I'm just in a, I'm just feeling sad after this. And just mm-hmm. allowing it, mm-hmm. um, I think was important. It, it's not it's not easy or fun for sure, but I don't mm-hmm. think that everything in life is supposed to be easy and or fun. And we often learn from that contrast. Mm-hmm. And and also, like it, I don't know. I, again, this is just uh, me speculating. But imagine if you had a lot of sadness and no massage and no way yeah. of sitting with it. How much that would affect you in the long run, right? Like you yeah. see people with very slouched posture and various back problems, various neck problems, you know, and so by just becoming aware that, like you said, the mind-body connection is there, then you, each time you're taking a layer off on the, on the emotional side, which is just as important as the physical side. Right. And I, I'm sure you see this too, but I think that our body whispers what we need Mm -hmm. and it keeps whispering until we if we're not paying attention, it gets louder and Mm -hmm. then it starts talking to us in a bigger way. So I think, you know, some of these little emotional releases that we have can be our body's way of whispering to us that, hey, maybe we need to pay some more attention to what's going on here. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And sometimes it'll yell. Yes. (laughs) It'll scream. after After I went through my divorce, I felt like a whole ton of bricks had been lifted off my shoulders like it was so heavy and all of a sudden I was just like oh like physically I felt something and this was before I had gotten into yoga so I didn't understand like what that was I was like what's happening right now but it literally felt like a like a shelf had come off of my back 
Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's powerful. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't kind of acknowledge how we feel. Mm. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with women and asking them, you know, food and mood, you know, eat something, how did you feel? And I think we've gotten so disconnected from our bodies. A lot of people struggle with that activity. It makes them feel um, uncomfortable. And so I remind them sometimes that's the idea um, so that they can provide feedback about, you know, maybe certain foods, they feel good at the time that they eat them. And then an hour later, it makes them sad or it makes them feel poorly mm. um, and how important it is to be connected to our bodies. And I'm sure in yoga, you see a lot of that, that people kind of go through the motions in life and then they're doing something that's very physical and it's a whole lot harder to hide that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even just, it's, it's a very vulnerable place to be lying down on your mat too, and just allow yourself to be completely still. Like I remember the first time that, I started practicing, I found, a, I found that really hard. I, I felt very anxious and I didn't, I couldn't sit still and I felt like people were looking at me. I spent a lot of time looking at the person beside me and what they were doing and it took a long time to get to where I am now and I still have a long way to go but um, I realize now like the more that you, the more you practice anything, the, the more comfortable you get in your space. But the, the practice on the mat for me was um, so, it had such a large impact into how I act in the outside world and how I treat other people and how I treat myself and just how I look at things, my outlook. And so because of that, I feel less agitated, less anxious, less stressed in all of my day, not just when I'm practicing. It's really sort of a microcosm for how mm-hmm. you interact with a larger world. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And, and and that you, by slowing down, like even just the way, like the names of the postures, like humble warrior, for example, mm-hmm. you're a warrior, but you're also remaining humble. So you're, you're, you're very aware and powerful in your stance, but you're not um, overbearing and um, arrogant or whatever. These are words, but, you know, I, I think that... Ha- Again, like not being reactive, not letting ego take over. Um, again, acknowledging ego, acknowledging dark thoughts, acknowledging um, you know different the different variances of of how you're feeling, but not um, not letting those things take over. Yeah, so so true, and such good info. Um, so before we close today, we would love for you to tell our listeners. Give us some advice on the two things that you think would be important for improving wellness every day. So based on your yoga background, your comedy background, meditation, what two things would you tell our listeners that they could do? Uh, I 100% recommend still, I call it stillness. You could call it meditation. Medita- I'll say meditation because people are more familiar with that, but film meditation of some kind, any kind whether it be an app, um, there's some great apps like there's Headspace, Calm. Those are both available in Canada. I don't know if they're available in the United yeah. States. Yep. They are. Okay, great. Um, they are both fantastic. I don't work for them. <laughs> I'm, not prom- <laughs> I'm not promoing them, but they're a great place to start. They have five-minute meditations. They have 10-minute meditations. They have walking meditations, and they're guided, and they're just a great place to start in terms of getting comfortable with meditation. Um, and just by doing that, allowing yourself those five minutes, some people find it very challenging when they're starting off. So I always say, just try five minutes. You can give yourself those five minutes and just see how that makes you feel. Keeping in mind that it's similar to working out 
in the gym, the first day you do it, you're not going to notice a big difference. But the more that you do it, you're building a muscle. So you start to feel that. Um, so yes, number one, meditation of any kind. Stillness for me is I meditate when I'm still because it allows for those emotions to come up. I feel a lot more connected and grounded when I do it. And then the other thing is a, a physical practice of some kind. I know that um, we were talking about that a little bit earlier and that some people do not like practicing yoga and that's completely fine. Um, it can be running. That's like a meditative thing for you. There was a guest on my podcast who who runs and then he meditates. And uh, it could be weightlifting. It could be playing basketball. It could be doing anything. But then I recommend pairing those two things together. So doing a physical exercise and then allowing yourself some time for meditation afterwards. Because by doing that, you've released a lot of tension in the body. And so it becomes a lot easier to sit still and meditate. So yeah, that'd be my, my recommendation. <laughs> That's so awesome. And so simple, but yet so profound. If we just did those two things on the regular, mm -hmm. it would make a big difference. And outside, if you can, if I can add that, yes. like if you can get outside, that's huge. Getting some vitamin D, being close to nature, you know, a hundred percent for either or both. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you guys. I, I appreciate this. It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you too. And if our listeners want to know more about you, can you tell them how they can find you? Sure. Um, my website is Dina, dinajackson.ca. Um, so it's Z-E-N-A-J-A-C-K-S-O-N. And my social media is at Action D-Jack, like Action Jackson, Action Jackson, <laughs> but D-Jack. And uh, my podcast is called The Ego Podcast. So it's a lot like, like Cynthia addressed. It's about a lot of this stuff. And it's just interviewing different people who integrate these kinds of practices into their lives and their careers and, and how it helps them find balance. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing part of your day with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you, Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFOS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. 
Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness. 